This podcast is part of the Faking Fandom Media Network. Head to fakingstarwars.net slash podcasts for more hilarious shows about geek culture topics. Welcome Mandalorian Fakers to the Mando Roundup, brought to you by fakingstarwars.net. It's time to kick back at the saloon with a death stick or two and enjoy this week's recap of the Mandalorian. Ah, bounty hunting is the life, wouldn't you agree? I can't believe the Mandalorian today. Oh, I want to close my eyes and make it go away. How long, how long must we watch this show? Tongs Day, bloody Tongs Day. Well, hello there in the Tongs Day loathing, subway riding, Coruscantian modern podcast listening galaxy. We are back with another great episode to unpack this hyper cringy, torture inducing, backstabbing, secret spy episode of The Mandalorian, brought to you by Faking Star Wars Radio, the official podcast of FakingStarWars.net. I am, of course, your loving host, Storm Duper, and with me today, is my very appealing host who loves his yellow biscuits, T. Bronther. Yes, I 100% prefer the yellow travel biscuits because if you use any other color with the blue milk, you will not produce the proper green, which is, of course, Yoda, Grogu's primary color, and you, know, it, you have to get it right in that blue milk. If you use the green milk, I don't even know what yellow and green makes, so I can't even do that math in my head. So that would be like some gross, weird color that would just not be a good color anyway. So, yeah, make sure you only get the yellow travel biscuits. You know Disney's going to sell these for like $40, <laughs> like MREs. They're going to be like $40 a box. The, like we're going to be in the apocalypse, and all that's going to be left are these Disney manufactured yellow travel biscuits, and everybody's going to be shooting each other in the face for them. Wonderful. Yeah, I mean, you can send them in a gift box that looks just like the Imperial uh, case that they had in the show. Um, mm. You know, life is like a Imperial box of yellow biscuits. You always know what you're going to get. This show is at least like that. So you always know you're going to get something bizarre and cringy. So let's get into this yes. episode. Mr. Teeb, give us your patented roundup on the roundup. Well, a lot of things happen in this show, and it's all basically just office space in space now. It's like you're not watching The Mandalorian anymore. You are now watching Office Space, Amnesty Office Space International. Uh, I, 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 I was just like waiting for you know uh, Gary Cole to come out and be like, yeah, yeah, I know that you used to be with the Empire. I'm going to need you to work on Tongs Day. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, uh, yeah, have some blue milk for your coffee. Yeah. And we need to make sure you have your C10-23s. C make sure you fill those out in triplicate, please. Yeah. And I know you used to work for the Empire and everything, um, and you're <laughs> basically evil to the core, and you want to keep doing your cloning thing. But instead, we're just going to have you, yeah, looking around and blowing up um, old Imperial, you know, material because, yeah, we can't use that at all because, yeah, that would be bad. And we don't want to, like, uh, create an entire, you know, um, program for space using former, uh, you know, Imperial scientists and then tell everybody that it's the National, uh, you know, Aeronautical St Space Administration because they're, they're inherently evil. We wouldn't want to do that. No, no, no. 
definitely not. Definitely oh yeah, and then not. there's the Mandalorians, and they all wear their helmets and took a bath, so now they're they're super cool, and everybody loves them again. We forgot to mention that uh, we had a religious conversion. I mean, that's sort of a peak moment at the end of the plot of this one. I thought. Yeah, you call that a. What was the what 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 was the religious conversion? They took a bath in their armor. I mean, they, yeah. To say that you bathed in something, it's like you know, there's supposed to be ceremony. It's not like you fell in to the Mythosar poop infested waters. Uh, and that must have been how they were able to tell that it was living water, water. Which, by the way, will also be available at Disney's Galaxy Edge for seventeen dollars and thirty four cents. Uh, in a little metal this, test tube this, this summer. Yes, yeah, and they exactly. fill it. They fill it with some genetically engineered uh, fluorescent algae, so that when you pour it into your cereal bowl, it like gleams blue or green for you. Yeah, and Bill Gates is um, making it on his farms with his GMO, um, you know, uh, scientists. So it'll be very healthy for you, very very healthy, and definitely not murdering you slowly because Great. it's living water. I mean, why would you call it living water water if it was killing you? <laughs> that, would be, that would just be a really stupid name. <laughs> Yes, if it poisons you, that would be a, a... Well, then it takes the life out of you. That's why it's called living water. Safe, effective, living water, water. Better than Voss. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, for being Mandalorians and for caring so much about their creed, I mean, you can just get in by accidentally not taking off your helmet <laughs> if you took a bath. That was That's absolutely it. befuddling That's to it. me. Like, we've had three seasons where the only... <laughs> thing of any consequence is that one character took their helmet off and now all you have to do to get into the club is forget to change your fucking clothes that's it that's all unbelievable you and you're in the club yeah. i love that the club yeah and yeah. and by the way she's like a princess doesn't she outrank a bunch of weirdos in a cave well and then he has yeah. the dark saber i saw somebody on instagram say you know, he, he could write the rules for what being a Mandalorian is now because he has the freaking Darksaber. He should just, like, you know, pale a couple of them and be like, I'm in charge now. Anybody have a problem with that? Uh, no, no, no. Just as long as you keep your helmet on. Uh, guess what? Here goes my helmet. Oh! Well, I'm writing the laws now. And we're, we're taking our helmets off so we can eat. That was the thing. You can only have, what, pog soup? Uh, did they even get like? Did they get like special straws for the pog soup? By the way, there's a recipe for it on Instagram that my wife showed me. What is in a pog? What is a pog actually? First of all, is it like a little toy and they extract soup from it? Uh, I believe you're thinking of pogs and pogs, uh, not yeah, pogs, not pogs, pog, 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 pog is made of a dog. bunch of peppers. Peppers and cream. Peppers and cream. Peppers and cream. I'm a little boy who loves pog soup and cream. So now is it crystallized peppers since the entire surface of Mandalorian, they're, they're Mandalorian pepper X habanero cherry scorpion peppers have been crystallized or how do they yeah, make their soup? I mean, I guess. I don't I, I don't know. We, we never really established how they have, like, where do they get the pog from? It's not really established, but I can tell you the real process to make pog soup in our world it takes like four hours. It's like, who has time for that crap? Nobody. If somebody makes you pog soup, they love you. Okay? It's not like ramen noodles, which is what she made it seem like. It was like some kind of, oh, if you haven't had pog soup, are you really in a Mandal? Are you are you really even a Mandalorian? That, that should be like, the, that should be the shirt. Are you even really a Mandalorian if? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And all the, all the shaming that goes on in that culture, like, ah, you took off your helmet. Are you really a Mandalorian? But it, it has to be the most condescending font yes. possible. So I don't know what the, oh. that font would be, but. I'm sure Sons. Kathleen Kennedy is working on it there 
at Lucasfilm for an entire t-shirt store of condescending t-shirts about Star Wars. Yes, yes. We should do that. We should just change our our t-shirt store into condescending activist uh, t-shirts. Oh, 100%. I think we'll make more money. It's a lot better. Yeah, nobody's buying our our, our ish right now because we're too clever for them is what it is. It's too, like, inside. It's like... It, only smart people really buy our products, and there's just not a lot of smart people left in the world. I mean, that's just the the sad fact. Because they all are now part of the Amnesty crew. Of course, of course. And they have their flair, but we'll get into that. So, Teeb, I have to ask, who edited this episode? Because it, it was bizarre. I mean, I did watch some shows trying to break down this episode and explain it, and it did make a little more sense how, like, Booker Atone's plot arc sort of mirrors that of... um. Uh, Doc Pershing, Pip, Pip, Pen, Pip, Pip Pershing? Is his name Pip? What's his name? Pip. Pen, <laughs> Pippi, Peppy Pen, Peppy Pen Pershing, the most no, uh, agreeable, uh, agreeable DNA scientist in the galaxy. Um, <laughs> the only DNA scientist wearing glasses. I did see some people talking about his glasses. So yes. we can talk about glasses. Where is glasses? Yeah, but on the face of it, these are two the different episodes. Ah, yeah, I know. That was there clever. was there was this little bit at the beginning with the Mandalorians, and then a completely different plot that has nothing to do with the Mandalorian plotline whatsoever so far. And then back to them at the end, bookended, and there was no connection between these two plotlines whatsoever. Uh, it felt like obviously we're setting up something in in the future, uh, I guess. But but really, I mean, who, who edited this episode? <laughs> Was that intentional? <laughs> no. It should have been. Like, yeah, no, no. Cocaine is a hell of a drug, from what I've understood. No, Get it down. Was just in the, Get down. It was just in the playhead there some, from the last episode. No, so who, who edited this garbage? My cat. Did you find it as kind of unfocused and like almost like you're watching two television shows as well? 100%. It's like, okay, somebody said something about The Acolyte. Is that going to be a new series? Is 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 that what this is? The Acolyte? I think The Acolyte is the one that has an intimacy manager to make sure that the uh, the characters all kiss the right people and make out and have a big galactic orgy or something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so is that... is. Is that a real show, The Acolyte? Is, yeah. Is that what's happening? Is this like going to be like a spinoff? From what I understand, we've got Book of Boba Fett, Acolyte, Mandalorian, Ahsoka, and Skeleton Crew, and Acolyte. That's six shows that are all about the same two things. I mean, yeah. I'm basically a walking genius, but let's just assume that I have no idea what an Acolyte is. Why don't you explain to the listeners what an Acolyte is? That might that might explain some things. About why this was edited in such a bizarre way? Yeah, sure. What 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 is an acolyte? An acolyte isn't like isn't it like an assistant to a priestess or something? Some sort of like prophet or somebody or has some sort of special powers to like Okay, I see what they're doing. What they're basically know. doing to your point then with the book of Boba Fett, they started to to tease Boba Fett, right? In the Mando. Yes, so they did. their acolyte is being teased in Mandalorian, just like they teased the Book of Boba Fett. So, so you're saying that Elia Kane yes. is the acolyte? G68 is the acolyte. How do you know that? Because she's going to use Pershing to create the clone the clone process that's going to give us all the palps. The many, many palps. Ah, the pickle she jar palps. palps. Yeah, the pickles of palps. You are palps. in a pickle jar. Pickle jar. For all the world to see. <laughs> You are in a pickle jar. 
for all the world to see. So you're saying that Alia Kane, the most butch character we've ever had in Star Wars, is some weird mystical spiritual person? So is her butch cover, is that like a cover-up, or is that just kind of how she rolls? She is not going to be magical. Oh, she isn't. Okay. She's just going to be helpful. start off as magical. Yeah, she's not going to start off as magical. Maybe she wants to have some of that power for herself, and she's going to be promised by the Emperor, you know, I'm going to give you ultimate untapped power. Okay, so let me get this straight. At some point during Return of the Jedi, when Elia Kane was like 12, she was uh, delivering uh, Girl Scout cookies to the Death Star throne room or something. Um, you know, like the galactic uh, galactic yellow biscuits. And she knocks on the door of the Death Star, knock, knock, knock. And Palpatine goes, enter if you dare. And she's like... Hello, I would like to sell you some Girl Scout Galactic Yellow Biscuits for your entire emperor. Would you like to buy some? And Palpatine is like, yes, I will have one trillion boxes of yellow space biscuits. By the way, if I ever am killed in a galactic Death Star explosion, would you like to secretly advance a plot that makes no sense? For cloning me and resurrecting my soul. And she's like, that sounds great, Mr. Emperor. Where do I sign? <laughs> that's exactly that's exactly what happened, actually. Amazing. Oh I love God. it. I love it. Okay. I did hear I did hear that they're actually introducing new flavors to the uh the, the galactic uh scouts of girls. Yeah. So maybe not just yellow travel biscuits, maybe they're gonna have some purple travel biscuits, maybe some orange. There I say, they're gonna be the best biscuits. You ever had the orange ones. I'm just saying. Keep those away from Grogu because you know he's going to puke them up all over the place. Yeah, well, he's got a little tummy. He's got a little, little Grogu tummy. You know, he needs some little uh, little uh, uh, Metamucil. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Grogu's mixing up like in Pog Soup his fiber every morning. All right, so <laughs> here's another question for you, Teeb. Uh, who, what, when, where, why, how? Now we're up to what? What bronzer did the Mon Calamari on Coruscant start using? And is this another intrusive commentary on the tired activist trope, white, bad, brown, good? Because they were blinging, man. They were shiny. Yeah, I was wondering why he was gold. Like, he's a goldfish. Like, he's literally a goldfish. <laughs> like, I was waiting for him to, like, you know, I'm out of my bowl! I need my bowl! Oh! Or, like, forget everything, like, every five seconds, like Dory, you know, because he's, like, a goldfish, like, or whatever. Or maybe some scientist would eat him trying to get smarter. I don't know. But I mean, yeah, he's, he's clearly gold. I love that uh, octopu- the octopi, octopoli, octopuses are represented on Coruscant and in the galaxy. Uh, the galaxy is replete with them. Um, but I suppose maybe they can change color. I mean, we've never actually heard that they can't. And like a like a good octopus, maybe a wealthy, well-to-do uh, Mon Calamar can just uh, subtly adjust his shade to uh, coincide and camouflage himself in various on sundry social situations. So he's like a gecko? He's like, uh, you know, uh, you have 15 minutes to talk about your uh, yellow travel biscuits. I could save you 15% (laughs) or more. (laughs) I could save you 15% or more on your amnesty uniforms, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. I did like seeing all that, you know, the pageantry. um, That's something we didn't actually really get in the prequels when we were on Coruscant. We didn't get the condescending, rich kind of Coruscant thing and i like the fact that we saw the opera room like where um you know uh pippin pershing had to give his ted talk uh about <laughs> dna 
like, it's a great venue. I love how the rebellion didn't like destroy anything. They're just so freaking cheap. They just have to slightly repurpose everything. It's like, oh, we have a mind flare. Like, forget going to therapy. We're just gonna like tweak the settings just a little bit. It is oh. now a six oh two mitigator, yeah. not the mind flare. Perverted satanic mitigator. opera theater. Ah, it can't be haunted. We'll just use it again for TED Talks. Look, very cool. Look, that was the no. Obviously, that's where they draw the line because Coruscant technically was an imperial planet, so they should have just blown up the entire planet mm. because they were blowing up all the imperial material. But they decided to keep the opera chambers. To your point, which by the way, I thought was actually really cool seeing Coruscant like in all its glory with the peak of Umate. Oh, the peak of Umatu. Yeah, that was very cool. I like that that was in there because apparently that's been in Clone Wars, Rebels, other shows, and it's like an actual thing. Um, and it works. I think I thought it really worked. So. Yeah, I thought it was funny. It was yeah. it was definitely a, a nice little uh, a moment where I was like, ooh, kiss the kiss the Umate stone. Go over there and kiss it, kiss it, <laughs> kiss it. And then the droid's like, you can't do that. That is bad. This is our cultural heritage. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> Because I noticed there was, like, no ropes, or it's like, okay, this is obviously, like, Europe and not America. Because, like, in America, there'd be, like, 37 signs. Please keep your children off the Umade stone. Please do not lean on the Umade stone <laughs> ropes. Please make sure that you don't touch the Umade stone. Okay, thank you very much for your cooperation. As opposed to Europe, where it's like, look, if you touch the Umade stone, you're going to get bacterial poisoning and die when you get home. And we don't care because we're socialists, and we don't care if you die. Thank you. Nice. So, I mean, talking about benevolence and, and care for others, you know, the, 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 the thing that's so weird is, like, I don't know what it is about Disney Star Wars, but it's like, Almost like every opportunity they have to make the New Republic look stupid and goofy, they do. I mean, they they make them out to be just a bumbling bunch of naive, like, weirdos in this episode. Like, everything seems like, well, we're going to integrate every horrible, evil person from the Empire, like you know super seamlessly into society and the only thing we're gonna do is have them talk to a robot <laughs> like i was getting vibes from the joker you know where he's talking to his uh welfare representative or whatever he's like do you want to murder everybody on the planet and cut their throats and so that they bleed a river of blood throughout the city of coruscant no no oh, okay i believe you because i'm a robot like that's so stupid i i don't know I mean, I, I get that everything's automated now, but you'd think that the uh, New Republic would have just a bit more savvy? Well, no, okay, I do actually kind of like it because I've said for years since The Force Awakens came out, like, clearly the Re Rebellion doesn't know what the hell they're doing because less than 30 years later, they the First Order comes out and basically is the Empire all over again, you know? Absolutely. Like, so they have to show some level of benevolence. I understand that, actually. I really do. It's like, they, also, their benevolence is why they're inept. If you think about it, the writers of the show are actually very pro imperial. Right. I and mean, that's the point is they're, they're, they're basically the thesis, the theme, if you will, of this episode is being kind will ruin your life. <laughs> Like, <laughs> well, I mean, power and control, right? That's what we saw during the pandemic. Yep. And people seem to gravitate towards power and control because otherwise they would have to use their freedom to have courage and make decisions that would, you know, hmm. would, would would take take guts and they would rather just be controlled. And I think uh, you're seeing that shift in the writing as well, where the empire 
is now basically the empire are basically the good guys now if you think about mm. it because the, the stumbling bumbling new republic doesn't know what the hell they're doing i mean they've basically paved a rainbow road of of happiness and joy for for the the evil characters to to do whatever they want and and that's what's going to happen and so when will we meet moff gideon and why wasn't it in this episode i really fully expected him to be in the back of that star destroyer like being like here's my evil plot now we've got everything in order uh nothing right they shaved his mustache and he lost all of his powers and he went away into obscurity which is where he belongs they reference him though they say like he escaped or something right i was over moff gideon i'm over him he had his series get over him he's not darth vader he's not definitely is in this uh, show he has a cape that's what makes him interesting he's a narcissist with a cape well guess what i know some people like that too in mental hospitals they walk around thinking that they're jesus christ emperor julius caesar because they have a cape and a crown doesn't make him that he's just an idiot the emperor's overrated garbage idiot overrated garbage idiot (laughs) could you say it a little stronger I could, but I don't want to scream into the mic. So I will just say it like this. Moff Gideon needs to die. Die. Fascinating. Fascinating. Die. I don't care about him. Let's learn more about Shorian Guard. What about that guy? Where is he? Where is the Pirate King? Gorian Shard, the Pirate King. Well, that's that's actually what gets me to my next question because, you know, at the beginning we had a space race. We had big old space combat, which was pretty awesome, honestly. I mean, I... I thought it was maybe a little overlong, but we did get our first, like, ejection out of a flying ship into a whole bunch of stuff. And then there was, of course, that little Batman hover scene, which uh, people on the YouTube interwebs were just losing their losing their minds over. Um, but where exactly were the TIE fighters hiding, Teeb? They came from nowhere. We, we, actually, we actually talked about that, and they mentioned it. There was a throwaway line where they mentioned that they were Imperial... Uh, I wrote it down because I was like, what? Warlords or something? Yeah, that was it. Imperial warlords. Like, where did these guys come from? But surely they were were Moff Gideon's warlord TIE fighters, right? (sighs) Moff Gideon's not the only damn Imperial who still has power and has structure around him. He can't be the only warlord. There were thousands and thousands of planets or systems or whatever you want to call it that were Imperial run. So... They they alluded to that. So the fact that Moff Gideon is like he's gone, then there's that's it. Like they have to keep going after different, you know, factions. And I think this is just another faction. Also, I was wondering if maybe these Imperial warlords might have killed uh, Boca Raton's soldiers troops because she says, oh, they went off on some, you know, damn full mission or whatever. Idealistic crusade. Yeah, like yeah, it's like well, were they fighting these guys? Because I mean, let's face it, they're not that good if they got taken out by, you know, Boca Raton and, and the Mandalorian. Like, two guys taking out, like, 15 ships. By the way, they were a diversionary tactic so that the bombers could go and blow up her home, which was empty except for a couple, like, you know, grape-serving droids in there. Did the but, did the blue guy, did he bite it? Like, did he bite the dust there? The blue robot dude? Yeah. But the real tragedy is what happened to all her books. Because, like, she had all of her books. And there were some books on tape, too, and they got blown up, too. So she, <laughs> she had every episode now. of this podcast in her audio library. I'll tell you what. We will make sure that we give Katie Sackhoff, uh, a, a, like, a USB drive that has, like, you know, all of our all of our episodes. So she can, like, you know, listen to them on, on a loop forever. Hmm. Hmm. Very cool. Well, well um... 
you know, my big question about this episode is what were they going to do at the end of episode two when she, when Katie Sackhoff's character Boca Raton saw the mythosaur. Um, and then, of course, she just goes along and acts like it never happened. She, she keeps it a secret. Why did Boca Raton hide the mythosaur from Din Djarin? Because he is not really a Mandalorian. He is a foundling, and she is royalty, and she's a snob, and she doesn't want him to know that there's something cool down there. Hmm. I mean, what is her, what is her plot? Is she going to try to like return triumphantly and, and ride it and take control of the mythosaur and then gain back her collective clout or something without the Darksaber? I, gonna... I can 100% see her hiding the mythosaur's uh, whereabouts and existence to the culvert, but not to Din Djarin, which means she still doesn't trust him completely. Hmm. That's what that reflects, I think. There's this giant beast... And she's like, oh, did you see anything down there? And he's like, uh, no, did you? And she's like, no, no, actually, I didn't see anything. I just thought I would ask you if you saw anything, you know, completely unrelated. Uh, you ready to go? Let's go. <laughs> why Why does it matter? Like a mythosaur, what, what is it going to do? Like it, it's just a big lizard. <laughs> it's their, it's their, it's their creed. It's their, what do you call it? It's their, their, their icon, their, their symbol. Their totem. It's a route, their totem. That's it. It's their totem. It's their entire, like, what's our planet's totem? Like, okay, our country's totem is an American eagle, right? Like, if, if all the bald eagles were extinct and you saw, like, one bald eagle, who would you tell? Oh, I guess I. Be somebody you trust. I guess I'm gonna have to uh, take what I put in my microwave for dinner out and throw it away then, Teeb, because uh, they are delicious. Well, everybody knows that. I mean, mm. with turkeys a lot. Well, actually, I've been hearing a lot of things about turkey lately, and I, I think they might be convincing me that turkey is a giant conspiracy. That maybe it's not that great, and everybody needs to get over it. But I will say, leftover turkey sandwiches, like the day after Thanksgiving, those turkey sandwiches are the bomb. Like mythosaur, mythosaur salami, like that would be that would take some time to stuff a mythosaur. You have to build one hell of an oven to roast that on a life day or tongs day, as it were. Tongs day. <laughs> what are we having for dinner tonight, Mom? And Bokertron's like, Well, I went out to the supermarket with a giant space cruiser, and uh, we we bought a mythosaur. It was on sale, only ten ninety nine a pound. So the total price was eight point four trillion credits. <laughs> Yay, we're having Mythosaur again for dinner. <laughs> Dude, if you killed that Mythosaur and ate it, you would, like, eat for, like, uh, if you could keep it, you know, keep it stored fresh, you would eat for, I don't know, four years at least off that one Mythosaur, yeah. just based on the size of its eye. So, I mean, it okay, like, let's put a crate Dragon versus a Mythosaur. Mythosaur versus crate Dragon, go. Like, let's do it, like, Joe Rogan style, right? Like We don't like know this. what the Mythosaur can do, because I've, I've not read all the extra canon, you know, pre-canon, post-canon, re-canon, uncanon baloney. Um, so I don't <laughs> know what a Mythosaur can do. Like, can it shoot fire? Can it well, it can shoot? do anything. It's mythological. It has literally no, you know, uh, limitations. Can it, it fly? I mean, it, that would be cool. The it's way like Mythosar works, the way Mythosar works, just so you don't, you might not know this, but the way Mythosar works is anybody that's around a Mythosar, whatever the power is that they conjure up in their mind, the Mythosar has. Oh, it's so like telepathic. It is telepathic, but it's also, it evolves emotionally. It's an, an emotionally evolving creature. So let's wow. say you, you thought that the Mythosar's magical powers or powers were flight, then it would have flight. Um, if like, let's say my, my youngling 
walked up, he might think that the Mythosaur's magical powers were to poop out, you know, yellow travel biscuits, and then it would be able to poop out yellow travel biscuits. Fantastic. That's why it's a Mythosaur, because it uses the power of myth as its actual base power set. Huh. So, I mean, I guess I could get on the Mythosaur, and I could imagine that it had the power to make this show more engaging and interesting, and snap your finger, it's done. That would only happen if we're actually able to get the Mythosaur. But yes, that is the dream. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. Great. Well, uh, Teeb, I do have one bonus question for you. Um, Oh, God. I I know. I I know. So here's your bonus question. Are you ready? I guess. Who will run the Covert? Because there's a little tension already. There's the the Armorer. There's Jin Jaren. There's the... Is his name... Blue Man Group, Hick, Hiccup Vizsla, Paz Vizsla, Posh Vizsla, whatever his name is, and and uh, Grogu may have a shot at it too. An outside <laughs> as chance. long as he wears a helmet and takes a bath, yeah, he's in, right? He's he's totally in. Um, no, um, I have a question. Didn't that guy die? Didn't Paz die? No, he's a, he's around. But I thought he died, and everybody in my house has been yelling at me. He's not dead, so I guess he's not dead. <laughs> I I hope he doesn't have any kind of leadership role because he's just a, an annoying putz. I call him Blue Man Group in my mind because he's like blue and big and everything, and he's like a whole group of people. Um, no, I don't think there's going to be a power struggle, but I mean, do I really care? I really don't care. I just honestly, it'll be, it should be, honestly, it should be Boca Raton fights Din Djarin in a mock combat. She defeats him, takes the dark saber, and then returns to. Uh, Mandalore riding the Mythosar comes back riding the Mythosar like heavy metal style with the dark saber over her head and going yeehaw like in friggin uh, you know uh, Doctor Strangelove and like drops right on top of them and then crushes Paz Vigla once and for all and kills Blue Man Group and is like I'm in charge now like you know I'm the captain now like uh, you know like uh Captain Robinson, or whatever the hell it was. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, All right, T. That's well, how it's going to happen. You heard it here first. It's now time to play our Jeopardy with questions from Twitter. Um, we only have two questions today, Teeb. So, um, you know, I want you to think long and hard about this, um, and then I'll give you uh, the correct questions. So, what's your first answer to the questions for today? A cumanopolis. Acumenopolis, the name for the type of planet that Coruscant is because it's an entire city. Um, well, the question was, when will Mando and Boca Raton kiss? <laughs> the answer is Acumenopolis. <laughs> Would you care to explain? Well, yeah, it's a little tricky to explain, but I will explain it. Okay. When they finally kiss, then we'll say, my love for you can only be described as an ecumenopolis ah it's so big and throbbing that it can only be an intergalactic planet the size of yeah so i like it also i'm wondering if they're like okay let's like like say they're like sleeping together like just sleeping together right yes and they like roll over and their helmets touch Mm. does that count as their first kiss or do they have to take their helmets off? And can Mandalorians kiss? 
Well, because, okay, so, I mean, do they have to leave everything on, or do they just have to keep the helmets on? Because I could get into some kinky stuff. Well, if they don't leave some helmets on, then they're going to have more Mandalorians. That, that, I know. That leaves the door open for, like, baby Mandalorians, who are just, you know, Mandalorians by genetics. And they could be, like, you know, in a lineup, they could be like, which ones are your parents? And the kids would be like, I don't know. I've never <laughs> seen their face. <laughs> the one with the helmet on. <laughs> He get teased at school. Ha ha! You don't know what your parents look like. Ha ha! <laughs> this is what I'm thinking. Okay, honestly, this is what I'm thinking. The the culture must be like. Like if you actually lived on Mandalore, you would take your helmet off to get busy. Then you would go take a bath in the living waters. Then you would come out, put your helmet on, and go be your Mandalorian. Oh, self. Okay, so you would just be taking lots of baths. You take a lot of baths. Yeah. Excellent. Especially during the summers and the winters, yeah. Oh, very cool. All right. Well, T, we got one more Jeopardy question. Um, so what's your answer? Uh, my answer for that is photon fizzy. Photon fizzy. <laughs> Was that a drink that they were wanting to buy uh, at the festival on Coruscant, right? After they finished their popsicles? That was the drink that G68 said, I'm going to get you a Photon Fizzy because she knocked over. She she deliberately got his little ice cream cone to drop. His Coruscant-sicle? Yeah, his Coruscant-sicle. <laughs> it fell because the droid, you know, spooking him because of the talk, uh, touching the Umate stone. Mm. So then she's like, I'll get you a Photon Fizzy, like, to make up for it. Right. Well, the question was, uh, what is, why did Xbox just post a photo uh, about the Mandalorian and the child and say that it was not for no reason. Xbox? Yeah. Mandalorian uh, and the child? So Xbox just posted something. They okay, tweeted no, this. I got it. I got it. I got yeah, it. they said, Xbox. all we're going to say is that we're not posting the Mandalorian and the child for no reason. All right, so what that means is that they are going to be working with Disney to create a whole new, like, remember, is, is, is Jolt Cola still a thing or did they get destroyed by Monster and Ghost? Probably, yeah. Okay, so... Xbox, Microsoft is working with Disney to create an actual photon fizzy energy drink that will allow you to play more Xbox, but only Xbox. If you try to play the PlayStation, your fingers will slowly start to disintegrate until you drink more photon fizzy. Hmm. Hmm. Fascinating. Fascinating. All right. Well, that was a great, uh, great little bit there, uh, Jeopardy. I, you know, if you do want to participate out there in the Twitterverse, please send your fo- your questions for the next episode, and we will make sure to ask Teeb with those. You can also send your photos. We don't mind. Absolutely. Well, Teeb, it's now time for the patented Fake-A-Meter GPTO bad joke of the episode. And, oh, I love this now. I oh, actually, yeah. This is my favorite part now. I used to hate the, the uh, fake-a-meter, but now that it's the GPTO, I, I love GPTO for life, I, forever. Yeah, I mean, you, you're very savvy. You understand these jokes, because I, I certainly don't necessarily. Uh, <laughs> but there are a couple here that, that do have a bit of humor, so I'm going to try to read the worst one of the worst ones to you first that I got. Um, okay. So this one, it just, I was reading, I was like, this is a long one, and it seemed like it could have a great punchline, but then it just, yeah. A tauntaun walks into a cantina and says to the bartender, hey, I need a drink. I just got hit by a Millennium Falcon. The bartender says, the Millennium Falcon? That's a new one. Usually it's just the speeder bikes that cause trouble. <laughs> 
I have so many questions. Can you help me understand what's going on here? Like, first of all, why is it a tauntaun? Like, it could be anything, right? And if it gets hit by the Millennium Falcon, is it going to be pulverized? <laughs> Like, okay, what you're failing what? to realize, what you're failing to realize is that the the nuanced subtlety of GPTO, the amazingness, okay, essentially it's the old play on, you know, why the long face? So a horse walks into the bar, why the long face? <laughs> right? So it's a tauntaun because that's like a horse, so it's Mr. GPTO, okay? Now, the Millennium Falcon hit him, and that would be funny because obviously he would be obliterated. But what you don't, what you fail to understand is that the Millennium Falcon was actually just backing up a little bit. It, you see. know, he just beep, 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 beep. And the Tauntaun was listening to, he was listening to our podcast essentially with these giant headphones. <laughs> and so he didn't hear the Millennium Falcon backing up. Beep, 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 beep. So he got like, yeah, exactly. He got nudged. He didn't really get hit, you know. And everybody knows tauntauns are known for exaggerating. I mean, come on. Okay, <laughs> they're very they're dramatic creatures. Yeah, they're yes. very dramatic. Ah! It's like, dude, I barely touched you. Ah! <laughs> so, then he's so, like, I need a drink now. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So he goes, <laughs> oh my gosh, it's amazing. All right, I got that's two it. more for that's you. Okay. Joke. Yeah. Uh, why did Darth? Speaking of car accidents, why did Darth Vader get into a car accident? Why did Darth Vader get into a car accident? I don't know. He was trying to parallel park his Death Star. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. You know, that's not bad. I, yeah, yeah, does that really need an explanation? I think that was actually pretty good. By the way, that was, that was, doesn't need an explanation. Can the Death Star move at light speed? I always wondered that. Like in A New Hope, when like the Death Star. Uh, you know, circumnavigates the galaxy to get close to um, Tantive or, or whatever the planet Tantive Four is that what it's called? Yeah, I Tantive think. Um, so clearly it can move, but how does it move? Like, how does it propulse through the universe uh, at light speed? I, I never see the engines. Well, okay, I do believe that it had to wait for orbits, so it can like get into an orbit, and it kind of expends a lot of energy, like getting into an orbit, and then it kind of just slowly meanders in the orbit and just has to wait for dramatic pause it's it's okay. also very dramatic that let's face it the death star is like the most dramatic character in all of star wars it blows up first it's like very slow and like oh i'm gonna get there i'm gonna get you i'm gonna get you tt4 i'm gonna get you i'm gonna get you and it's like oh no i don't know and then boom <laughs> right and so then it like comes back and it's like oh god it's like this character again it's like you know it's like on stranger things with will byers it's like i just don't care about him anymore i'm over him i don't care Stop interjecting him into the show. It's stupid at this point. Great. It's like that's he, he's the Death Star. Will Byers is the Death Star of Star Wars. Hmm. Okay, Strange. here's one more. Uh, this is also coincidentally also about driving. Um, why did Han Solo's car get pulled over by the space police? Why did Han Solo's car get pulled over by the space police? Why? Uh, for taking the Kessel Run in less than 12 parsecs. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I like that one. Yeah, actually, now that good. I look at this, team, th this must tell you um, just how many brain cells of mine died this week watching this episode because <laughs> I asked the fake-o-meter to create a list of 10 jokes, and I didn't realize that every single one is related to car accidents. <laughs> So there you go. Yeah, that's but, that's wild. Anyway, all right. Well, we'll have some more for those for those fans of the the new Fake Meter GPTO uh, next week. Teeb, this was a 
decent episode by some standards and a horrible episode by normal standards. Uh, but what would be your predictions for the next episode of the Manda Schmanda Woman DeLorean? All right, Sabine Wren. I'm going to keep saying it until she shows up. <laughs> Is there anybody out there on the internet that can can convince me and can stand in my corner and convince me that the armorer is Sabine Wren because I would really love that twist. Oh, that would be interesting. I don't think it's possible though. She's been the armorer for many a year and she sold all her best scar for whiskey and beer. (laughs) (laughs) But see rebels, but see rebels, she's young. She's like a teenager in rebels. Right. And that's before, that's before, um, All this hit the fan. Yeah, it makes sense. Wow. So I mean, the only the only reason why I wouldn't think it could be her is her stature, right? Because like the armor is like really large. But if you know anything about mm. Sabine Wren, she's very artistic. She's very uh, hands on, and she likes to build things and stuff like that. So hmm. I could see her being the armor. And then this last episode when she's painting the helmet, I was like, is that a clue, or am I reading into that? Oh, interesting. You see her painting the helmet, and Sabine was known for, like, painting things. So your theory is that we're going to see Sabine Wren somehow in this next episode as the armor, or maybe not as the armor, but somehow involved. I mean, it's possible because, to your point about the culvert and who's going to be in charge, like, you know, who's in charge around here? Well, (laughs) Sabine Wren is royalty too, by the way. So you could have a, a, you know... A little bit of um, intrigue where you would have Sabine Wren and Boca Raton because they're both royal and they're both they're both factions from different um, houses that did not get along at all. Hmm. I thought they were sisters. Or maybe they're the same house. I don't know. <laughs> Aren't they sisters? <laughs> I don't remember. Honestly, Tan Crees and Sabine Wren Crees. No, who am are I they, thinking of? Are they sisters? Satine. I'm thinking of Satine, not Satine. Sabine. <laughs> That's why you're getting confused. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Okay. I think I'm right. I think they're from rival houses. That makes sense. Then. Somebody can call yeah. up and you know send us their pictures. You can only ask us a question if you send your pictures first, so we know if you're attractive. Only attractive people right. are allowed to send. I mean, pictures. clearly they they have to set up some more question. stuff for Ahsoka. I was reading an interview with Dave Filoni, and he said basically hinted that the Ahsoka series is going to be like Clone Wars 2.0. Like, all the crap that you liked from the Clone Wars is going to be jam-packed into Ahsoka. All the characters, all the things, everything. So, there you go. Okay. Well, I really enjoyed a lot of the, the final Clone Wars stuff. Um, well, and Rebels. I mean, I'm throwing it all. Anything animated, it's just throwing it all in one, you know, the hell in hand basket. I, it's all going to be in there. Everything. I would love to see Rebels, a continuation of Rebels. I would love to see mm-hmm. that, honestly. It was, it's an underrated show it's probably one of the better things that disney ever did with star wars so i think uh i mean i i kind of got this episode right in that they had like a powwow in a way right to discuss like what's going to be going on with the mandalorian i guess in a way they all got together at least and converted her to their cause but i wasn't really accurate i guess and i did predict moff gideon was going to be in this episode and clearly he was not um, but I think we're seeing his fingers throughout the plot well, his, here. His, yeah, his yeah, protege his was there. G68 was there. So my prediction so. is that we're going to see uh, an actual powwow, a real conference between the Mandalorians about their next uh, order of business. Because what else does uh, Din Djarin have to do plot-wise? I mean, he already took a bath. 
Um, he's got his friends with him. Uh, he doesn't need to do anything. So maybe they're going to say, you know, something like, hey, we need a leader. You have the Darksaber. You're our leader. Uh, well, what are we going to do next? And he's going to be like, we have to go find Gorian Shan because he tried to kill me or something. And there's, there's going to be some side quest thing to rid the galaxy of tyranny type thing that doesn't really matter and then at the same time we're going to get this other plot about um pippy pippy person pershing uh is now full evil right he's gone full retarded evil and he's like i'm gonna clone everything i'm gonna mix a mythosaur with an ewok and like all this crap and yeah elia kane just you know she just is delighted and can't have any more and then we will finally see where um his majesty uh, moff gideon is located and hidden and uh we'll get some more insight into their plot to clone snoke with grogu's you know dna and make some hideous pickle mountain monster why do you think she used the mind flare on pershing because she knew that he had she knew that he had good in him teep and she wanted to, you know, set it to 50, not to 50, uh, yeah. <laughs> to suck every ounce of his light away. Not his life, but his light. Yeah. And so that's that's kind of what I think is she just had this plot. She's like, I need just to make him evil. Um, and, and now she has him in the, you know, corner pocket. Isn't But isn't the Mind Flayer essentially, it's going to turn him into like, an infant and he's not even remember how to do DNA stuff anymore? Ah, is he going to lose his ability to even work as a... Well, okay, so then the other theory is that she just wanted to kill him. But like, why didn't she just push him off the train if that was her idea? Right? right. I mean... I mean but it, was it, to me, I think it was because he remembers things about her service, her time in service. Well, yeah. Maybe she, maybe she wants people to forget about his genetic science she wants that to go away so that no one would ever suspect that they could bring the emperor back it's a very sinister plot then you know like extremely that uh you know speculative but no, then that would make sense but then why does she are... have to go to all the trouble to steal cookies like and not throw them off the train and risk the mind flare guy being in the office at the time that she's there so that she can't turn the knob. I mean, there's so many things that are wrong with that plot team. <laughs> I know, but why did that guy like leave? I remember when, when the guy left and my youngling is like, why is, why is the guy leaving her in the room with that, you know, with the controls? I'm like, Oh, that's not the room with the controls. That's like the spectator room. And he's like, no, it's not. And uh, and then right away she like goes to the knob. I'm like, wait, he actually did leave her in the room with the controls. What the hell? Yeah, and that's why I don't think it can be to try to like erase his memory, but rather to kind of scramble his brains to make him evil. Because otherwise, it just seems too ridiculous. Like it's just yeah. I mean, so many other ways to accomplish your goals, and, and so those the cookies don't come true. So the six hundred two mitigator is like yeah, exactly. Um, is like the makes you good, more gooder than, and then the uh, the mind flare makes you more badder than. Yeah. So it just makes you evil. As you're she saying, turned evil. it to the evil setting. Evil you know, it was, setting. On, it was set on good, and she just flipped it a little bit to the right, I you know? I have run into the Mind Flayer in playing games and things like that, and I'm pretty sure it just, like, Fs you up. It's not going to change your personality. Like it's going to change the personality. Yeah, it, no, it's going to change the personality of whatever the person torture. It's designed to torture you, essentially, or remove yeah. memories from you. So I don't know. I just thought, like, I was like, was she doing that just to be sadistic because she could, or did she have an agenda? And yeah. if she is the acolyte, is she doing it because she was ordered to do all of this? Also, when she was, you know, 
tricking him and everything like that was that just to get more uh you know credit with the amnesty people like look i'm totally not evil i'm working to expose these people that you think are reformed but they're not but i'm really one of the good guys like is, is it just like to infiltrate deeper and deeper into the amnesty program which is what i think hmm. but then if that was the case she didn't really need to flay him I think she it might have been even less than that. She might have just been flaying him because it was entrapment. Essentially it, it was very much entrapment what she did. You know, not right. that the government would ever use entrapment to, you know, indict and and you know, incarcerate people because that would be evil. <laughs> well, Teeb, I think we're going to have to um table that bit of plot flair for now uh because i just don't i just don't know where we're going with that let's just let's just sum it up by saying you know this wasn't the tightest little story here with this right so many questions so few answers so um what was your overall best car rating for this episode on a scale of however you choose to scale it okay i think it's actually two episodes and two shows all right you have the mandalorian which was bookended so if you go just by the Mandalorian, I'd give it like a three and a half. Now nah, actually, I give it like three out of five. There's not a lot that goes on other than that really cool dogfight, which is really cool. So I give you you know three out of five for that. And then there's the the Acolyte preview, which is a whole another show within a show. And I'd give that mm, I give that like a four because that was actually very interesting mm -hmm. to me. Um, it did have I saw some other people saying this, but it definitely had the Andor energy. And, and feel and tone and the way it was shot and everything like that. And uh, it was an interesting commentary on, I mean, I hate to go here, but I'm going to go here. After the after World War II, this, there was a lot of what are we going to do with the Nazis, right? For sure. What are we going to do with these Oh, people? yes. Well, it's an interesting f twist on that because the Nazis famously made other people, you know, the others, wear uh, patches that identified what, what other they were, right? Like, there was the, the Star of David for the Jewish people, and then they had, like, the triangles, I think, for the gays, and uh, Jehovah's Witnesses Gypsies, had another was... Ram, yeah. whatever you want to call it. Yeah. yeah. So it's interesting that now the New Republic is using a, a, a badge, essentially, a pin. Oh, do you have your amnesty pin? They make it sound like it's some little fun little thing that you get at, you know, in Galaxy's Edge. Like, oh, can I have my amnesty pin? Your uh, amnesty flare. It's yeah, flare. Yeah, your amnesty flare. Exactly. It's flare. But I thought it was interesting because they were immediately identified as former you know, Imperials and when they're, like, walking around on the streets and everything like that. So there was an interesting social commentary going on there that, that I appreciated the, the kind of ironic twist on that. And I also think that the New Republic are trying to be too good to their own detriment, as I hmm. said. And I think that'll come into play in that show, The Acolyte, where you're going to see um, how it's going to backfire horribly on the New Republic. Well, Teeb, if this episode was a Galactic Girl Scout selling yellow space biscuits at my door, I would only buy one box. Uh, I just did not like this episode. It didn't engage me. Um, there were too many things that were goofy and cringy. The, um, the glow in the dark popsicles were an interesting touch, uh, but just so weird. I didn't really understand, you know, are, 
at first it felt like we were were setting up for Pershing himself to be this sinister guy, right? When he's giving his TED talk about DNA and stuff. It's like, clearly this guy is the one who has the sinister plan and he's going to do all this. And, and that makes sense because we know him. We've seen him. We understand a little bit about him. He is somewhat merciful. Like he didn't want anybody to hurt Grogu. He's like, he's just a child. But obviously he has sort of the mad scientist kind of vibe going on too. So it would have made perfect sense if he had hatched this plot himself. Bring in some rando who we don't know anything about. Um, I don't remember anything about this character at all, like in the previous episodes. I, maybe she had two lines of dialogue. I don't even know. And then just expand on their friendship and all this weirdness of them being in the dorms. Like, I felt like I was going to a basketball camp in sixth grade to some university, and they're they're staying there. Oh, did you get a postcard for Mommy and Daddy? Oh, yes, I did. What did you get? I got yellow space biscuits. Oh, did you did you see the Mount T- Ututanu? Oh, yeah, and I ate a popsicle. What the hell is going on in this show, man? They're riding the subway. Like, what is going on? It just did not work for me as an episode of The Mandalorian. Um, too big. Like, The Mandalorian is small. It's a small story. It's about some ca- gunslinger, you know, cowboy dude. And Bounty now it's hunter. like suddenly, yeah, now it's suddenly <laughs> this weird giant plot line of politics and galactic Fufara and all this nonsense and operas and TED Talks and Space Biscuits and, yeah, stealing labs and all this garbage. I, I don't know. It just didn't work for me at all. So only one box of space cookies from me. So is that like a one out of five Beskar? Maybe one out of 50. I just didn't like it. Wow, yeah. that's like shots fired, man. Honestly, like, I really would say like going back, like this is what, episode 19 total of The Mandalorian? Yeah, I think it's chapter 19. Probably yeah. my least favorite episode of all. Yeah, I, wow. I would be hard pressed to find one that I that I think was less enjoyable. Um, just did not like it. So there you they go. They actually I'm, had him say to the Mon Calamari, "It's a trap." I, I mean, know. <laughs> it was a trap, is what he says. Actually, it was a trap. I was like, ah, oh, I was waiting the whole time. I'm like, oh, they're gonna do it. They're gonna do it. They're gonna. Hey, he said it. Yay! Yeah. You know. Now your failure is complete. No, I mean, <laughs> yeah. look, I. I was entertained, bro. I was entertained. I had the the thing for me to be entertained is I don't want to know what's about to happen, right? As sure. I'm opening my eyes, I'm opening my ears. Entertain me. Show me something I'm not going to see a thousand times. Like you know, it's like everything, everywhere, all at once. It yeah, was definitely different. <clears throat> um, was entertaining. I mean, I didn't know what was going to happen <laughs> from the next scene to the next, so it was like that. That's I mean, for sure. Yeah, who who expected frozen coruscanticles? I definitely didn't predict that. So you, you got me there. So I'll buy two boxes. Two boxes. Yeah, of space okay. I, I can as long as I was able to convince you, you know, to change your integrity and like <laughs> give away all your principles, and yeah, you know, I was able to convince you and persuade you. That's that's all I was really looking for today. That In a heartbeat, team. Like well I woke done. up, try to persuade Duper to go against his opinion. Yes. Well, you've done it. Yes. So um. Teeb, unfortunately, that's all we have time for this week. You've got to get back in your integration center to get your mind flayed, uh, <laughs> you know, by, by Tong's Day, by thing. the end of, by midnight on Tong's Day. I, I kind of wish that was a thing, to be honest. Like, you could, yeah. like, just flay your mind, like, certain parts of my life. <laughs> for sure, like <laughs> Severance. Like in, uh, not just Severance, uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, there's definitely mm-hmm. parts that I would, like, not want to remember. 
So that'd be that'd be a nice thing to be able to do. But that, with my luck, there would be some sadistic, you know, butch person in there that would be like, ah, evil knob setting, you know, because why have any? Uh, anyway, I'm just I'm gonna go down a whole tangent with how inept the New Republic is, and like I, I hope that is a running theme throughout all the Disney Star Wars stuff. Like they're like basically the Keystone Cops, you know, with better ships. Like like that's it. Yep. Well, tell the listeners where they can find us, Tiber. Well, you can follow Faking Star Wars on Twitter and this other site called Instagram at Faking Star Wars. So it's at Faking Star Wars. And on Facebook, if you still use Facebook, (laughs) aren't you precious? Yeah. Ah, You can find find us over on Facebook at Real Faking Star Wars. And if you want to submit a question for us, again, you have to submit a picture first. And only if you're attractive, you know, your attractiveness level has to be, eh, you know, decent for us. You can submit it on Twitter using the hashtag FS Radio, FSW Radio, and we might actually read it next week. And you can get official FSW t-shirts and other gear at bit.ly slash FSW merch. Please follow me on Twitter at StormDuper. And you can follow our other amazing host, Vegan the Hut. He likes to uh, make things interesting over on the Twitterverse. And you can follow me on at T Morantor, that's T E E B R O N T R, and follow FSW Radio on Twitter and Instagram. Remember, Instagram still exists as well. If you like what you hear and want to support what we do, please visit patreon.com slash faking Star Wars and sign up to be a patron. You support us fakers financially to keep making this content that you love, and you'll get a free reward. Join for as little as a buck a month. Just like Jedi Knight Faker Taxus Carlson. And if you haven't written us a review yet, please consider a five-star glowing review on iTunes, Podchaser, or your podcast platform of choice. It helps us appear when people search for Star Wars on their podcast app. And we might even read your funny review on an upcoming episode. And one more thing before we go, we just want you to know that we do have a Discord, but we merged with Cam Ray of Cam Ray Simming Productions at bit.ly slash Cam Ray Discord. You can join in discussions on all things Star Wars, cat memes, and more. As always, please stay tuned to FakingStarWars.net for quality Star Wars comedy, parody, and satire. And thanks to all of you and our followers for listening. Teeb, may the foe be with you. See you next time. Yeah, I'm going to need you to go ahead and work on Tongs Day. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. (laughs) As long as I can keep my stapler. We'll get you some photon fizzies. You'll be fine. Thanks for listening. Please write a review for this show on iTunes or Podchaser, and be sure to visit fakingstarwars.net slash podcasts for more shows on our network.